Mom Talk Radio. We know behind every soldier, sailor, airman, and marine is the family supporting them. With over 200 episodes in 17 countries, over five seasons, with three million monthly listeners, we are Radio Strong. Now, here are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. everybody. This is Sandra Beck and I'm so excited today because we're going to be talking about men's mental health and we're going to be talking about Harry's razors. We're going to be talking about all sorts of good things with Maggie and Rachel and I'd like to introduce them. Actually, you guys can introduce yourself. Let's go with Maggie first. Give us a little background so we know who we're listening to. Sure. Um, My name is Maggie Hero and I'm lucky enough to lead social impact work here at Harry's. Um, previous to Harry's, I've actually worked 15 years in nonprofit. So uh, my job was working both in program and development um, for nonprofit organizations for years. And about a year ago, I joined the Harry's team. Excellent. So Rachel, how about you? Yeah, thank you for having us. Um, I run the learning and development and social impact teams at Harry's. So I've been here for a little over five years now since the company was just about six months old. And I've seen our social impact program and the company at large grow a ton in that time, which which has been really fun. So let me ask you, for our listeners that don't know, what is social impact for a company and why does it matter? It's a great question. Um, so different companies define social impact differently. I can speak to how we think about it here at Harry's. Um, in short, it's our commitment to the world beyond our bottom line. <laughs> so we believe in donating both time. So we offer everyone on our team five paid time off days to give back and volunteer, plus money and meaningful money. So we donate 1% of all of our sales, not profits, but actual sales uh, to nonprofit partners. And so when we say social impact, that's what we mean. The impact we're able to have in the world uh, beyond just the products we make and the things that we sell. So it's funny, I can go back 15 years when I worked for Disney, we had that kind of paid volunteer time. And, you know, that was so amazing because nobody did that. And now I think it's, it's a lot more common than people would think. And so when somebody does volunteer, do they choose the volunteer organization or does Harry choose them for them? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, We actually want to encourage all volunteerism, so we actually don't limit our employees to what types of experiences they want to have. Um, We say, whatever you're interested in, I I, I say whatever moves you, whatever keeps you up that night, find the organization um, that's doing the good work um, or will help you find an organization that's doing the good work and give back. Um, All of our employees, I I think Rachel mentioned, but they get five paid days to give back to organizations of their choice. Um, And if they're not sure what they want, we'll we'll set up some volunteer events for them here. Um, Something that they can just show up to, whether in the office or show up to a community center, um, and we'll make sure that they have a really good experience. But the bottom line for us is that folks are just giving back and they're understanding the community at large the uh, causes at large, the challenges, um, and, and feel like they're doing something about it. Well, and I think, you know, for the listeners out there, you know, Keller Williams does a red day where the company is closed for 
a day and everyone in their 150,000 person organization goes out to do good work. And, you know, you can, you can set this up any way you want. And I know we have a lot of entrepreneurs or people that go in the defense contractor industry that listen to us that do some sort of, you know, volunteer matching or funds matching, you know, for different um, charitable organizations. But as a consumer, you know, you guys work for Harry's razors and both my kids and my dad use Harry's products and, you know, we buy at Target and um, I did give them their Christmas boxes, um, you know, because buying for boys is just brutal. Um, or a five-year-old veteran, that's another one that's, a, you know, a, a thrill a minute to come up with products uh, to open that's on Christmas. podcast. We do a yeah. whole podcast on gifts. All other podcasts. Um, but from a social responsibility standpoint, um, I think it's important for consumers to know when you buy a product, where does that money go? You know, not that we need to know your bottom line and we need to, to do these things, but to know that there's product families out there that give back to organizations that directly affect the things we care about. And two of the things that my shows all care about are the military family. And also um, mental health, whether it's, you know, you guys are specific to men's mental health or young men's, boys' mental health. I mean, there's a lot of things that go on to play. When does mental health start for a man? I know they say the brains for boys develop at the age of 25 is when they're mature. I have a 12-year-old, a 15-year-old, and a 85-year-old, and <laughs> I'm going to challenge that <laughs> at 25. But, you know, because mental health is such a it's such a big umbrella term. And I think everybody knows what mental health results look like when there's challenges, but there's that kind of gray area in mental health, which is what is good mental health? Does good mental health mean you're having a good day? Does it mean you can react or respond appropriately? I mean, there's, this is like a big topic, girls. We could go for weeks. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And I think that that is, important for us to spend a lot of time thinking about it for us it's not just crisis mental health which is what a lot of times people think about but also wellness and well-being and so um, we're we're starting to think about as we make this commitment to nonprofits what kinds of organizations can we work with that take an inclusive expansive approach to the term and and sometimes that's meditation sometimes that's a, a discussion group or, or opening the door to talk about a problem you're having or a feeling or, or an issue and so we, we try to be pretty um, expansive in our view while we're continuing to support organizations, you know, like Stop Soldier Suicide or Headstrong, which deal with the very acute um, crisis or a moment where someone really needs um, pretty intensive therapy or, or mental health services. Um, we know that it's more than that. So I think it's, it's a really good point that you bring up. Well, it is because, you know, when one person serves, let's take for the military family, for example, one person serves, the whole family serves. You know, when, when dad goes on deployment, mom is picking up the pieces. Or how about when mom goes on deployment? You know, women now comprise 20% of our military. So one in five service personnel is female. Yeah. So we go, okay, one family member serves. What happens to the rest of the family? Well, everybody has to adjust. Kids have to adjust to mom or dad not being home. Um, you've got spouses that have to adjust to loneliness and becoming a single parent, but without the ability to go out into the community and get their parenting or spousal needs met, if you will. It's a very delicate way to put that. Um, but so it impacts the whole family. But when you look at mental health, I think that 
resiliency and resiliency training is something that I think greatly impacts the mental health of the the family, the environment, and the person. Because, you know, resiliency is our ability to bounce back. It's our ability to overcome obstacles and challenges. And I don't think you can say someone has a mental health challenge without handling their resiliency issues. And, and we don't teach resiliency for families. We don't teach resiliency for young men. The only areas that I see in our society that really pay attention to resiliency are sports. Mm-hmm. You know, get back on the field. Like, what do you, you know, and that's fine for an injury, you know, a visible injury. You know, you have a broken ankle, you have a, a taped up ankle, very easy to handle that aspect of it. But what happens when we have our invisible wounds? And our invisible wounds are our mental health wounds. What happens with those? With those, We can't see it. You guys look fine. You guys mm-hmm. could both have really serious mental health issues. I could. <laughs> Maybe yeah. I do because I'm a radio host and I talk all day, but um, <laughs> no, they're it's invisible. It's a, really, it's a really important point. And I think that like core to our thesis and the reason why we are involved in this space is because we believe that people can get better. (laughs) You know, I mean, like these organizations we work with don't assume that because you're struggling with a mental health issue at one point in your life, there's no, there's no hope, there's no resilience, there's no bouncing back. We know that it's an ongoing struggle and different people need different things. But um, I think pretty core to our belief is, is this growth mindset that if you get the right help, you can really live a much better quality of life. Yeah. And if you saw um, the video that our team created um, in deep partnership with our two nonprofit organizations, Stop Soldier Suicide and Headstrong, we really try to tell that story a little bit around PTSD because uh, what we learned throughout the process of listening to our nonprofit partners and understanding the veteran experience and particularly trying to understand um, like what is specific around the challenges in mental health in that community, what we heard over and over again uh, was this misconception that PTSD wasn't fixable and it was it right. was the end. Um, and what we heard over and over through their the doctors on those teams were um, that it, it is fixable and it's a problem and it's and it's and it's like an injury something that you need to rehab and you need to work on and actually isn't that linear you might fix it and it might come back um, but it's something that you can treat and you can work through um, and that there is a solution and so you know the tagline on our on our video is PTSD is fixable. Um, it is might, fixable. Yeah. There might have been another uh, F word adjective before <laughs> fixable that I thought throughout uh, that we decided to, to cut out, but, uh, but it was speaking out of aggravation. This is so fixable. And if people yeah. just knew that this is something um, that can be worked on and you can work through, um, what a change that would be. Um, you know, and, and we'd see a, a, a much better, um, much more like healthier um, group of veterans out there. Absolutely. I'm really excited to talk to you. I mean, getting yeah. the word out about this is such a yeah. such a piece of this puzzle. Actually, normalizing the fact that this is something a lot of families deal with, yeah. um, and so even if it's not necessarily you, if it's someone in your family, if it's someone you're close to, if it's a friend, if it's a neighbor, like having this conversation in a public way, I, we think is is really important. 
It is because, you know, shame and secrets only make things worse. And, you know, this is, you know, post-traumatic stress. And I've had many shows on whether it's a disorder or not. We have some people who say it's post-traumatic stress. Some classify it as a post-traumatic stress disorder, which usually means filling a bubble on a form. Um, but this is nothing new. You know, we go back to shell shock in World War One. We've got battle fatigue in World War Two. You know, I forget what it was called in the Vietnam era, but when you take a human being and you put them through trauma, whether it's a car accident, whether it's cancer, whether it's a um, child born with a disability or a child dies, all of those traumas cause post-traumatic stress. A car accident can, can cause it. So one of the things that I like to always point out when we do shows like this is that just because the media perception puts out something with a new name or a new label, doesn't necessarily mean it's new. Our ways of treat, treating are new, but when you look at the stigmatization of post-traumatic stress, it used to be battle fatigue. It used to be shell shock. We've always known that this existed. So if you're a family that's new to the term post-traumatic stress, or you hear a doctor or a therapist or a lawyer say post-traumatic stress, where your veteran and family members are concerned, Know that this is not some new thing that just appeared somewhere because the media picked it up 10 years ago. This is something that's real. This is something that's treatable. And we have lots of different modalities or treatments for you as a family. Because I think also, girls, correct me if I'm wrong, bringing the hype down to a level that says, you know what, this is something I believe it's a new normal after trauma. You take a young, healthy man or woman, and I've been doing this for 25 years, and you put them in a traumatic situation, such as a war or a deployment. You shoot a missile at their head, you shoot a gun at their head. Guess what? There's going to be some trauma, even if they don't get shot. And they're going to carry this stuff home, just like the Vietnam World War I, World War II veterans did. And instead of stigmatizing it and saying it's uncurable or giving it this big label that makes it scarier sounding than it really is, we can deconstruct that. And I think that's what some of what you're talking about is deconstructing that. So we go, okay, you went to war, you went to battle, you have these symptoms, this is what we do for it. It's a broken ankle. It's a broken heart. It's a broken way of thinking. It's a, you know, there's all sorts of different ways that we can put it. But I think de-escalating, I'm not de-escalating the, in, the, the, the invisible wound. I'm not trying to minimalize it. But I'm also trying not to use the media to inflame it or sensationalize it so that a family struggling with this feels completely overwhelmed. Because I think that's a big part of it. I think that's a big part of our current problem. Totally. And one of the reasons we love the partners, we would encourage people to reach out to Stop Soldier Suicide or Headstrong if, if it's for you, if it's for a family member, is that it, it, there's no judgment and mm -hmm. there's no pressure. You might hang up a phone call and say, actually, I, I don't think I need to see anyone or maybe mm -hmm. what I really need is X, Y, or Z. There's there's really no no judgment and no single treatment because everyone's right. totally different. Um, and, and those kinds of organizations that make space for that, I think are really important. Yeah, they're going to treat the full you. A lot of what we hear from our partners is like, well, this trauma actually didn't happen when they were at war, when they're at combat. Right. In fact, the trauma happened when they were a child. Yeah. Right? And it's come up, and for whatever reason, at this point in their life, it's come up again. And it could right. be 
a year after their service. It could be 40 years after their service. It just sort of depends on the individual. So they're really looking at the whole person. Um, and, it, and just to plug for our partners, they don't just, uh, um, Headstrong in particular will treat your entire family. Uh, right. They're your children, um, your spouse, your partner, whomever. Um, and Stop Soldier Suicide is going to find the right resources for your entire family too. Um, and that's why we like partnering with them. They can, yeah. they can not just the veteran, but the whole family. Yeah. Well, that's why we have conversations like this, ladies, because you know, when your family is struck with this, you have this new normal. All of a sudden you come in, you've got your, you know, in some cases it's a child coming home, in some cases it's a spouse, in some cases it's a parent coming home. And all of a sudden there's a new normal and the family recognizes something's wrong. Okay. They don't know what it is. They don't have, you know, you can slap a big label on it, but having these conversations helps in my mind and why we do these break down the stigma associated with reaching out for mental health assistance. Because if I walked in your office right now and broke each of your fingers, let's just say I went in, snap, snap. Okay, what would you do? You would call a doctor immediately. Like you wouldn't sit there and go, I wonder what happened. You'd be like, okay, this lady came in and broke my finger. Like I make these silly analogies because it really is that, that, way of thinking that we have in our country that says, if you have a visible wound, you're going to go get help. If you have an invisible wound, you're not going to go get help. And I want to help break down these barriers because we have veterans and their families walking around with these invisible wounds. And it is up to not only the person with the wound, but also the people that love and care for this person to kind of raise their hand and say, you know what, I think it might be time to call someone. I think it might be time to reach out because we really don't want it to get to the point that we have to have the stop soldier suicide intervention because that's, 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 that's getting to the end. That's when your finger now is half falling off and inflamed and infected and you finally go get help. We want to give permission, if you will, today from these wonderful ladies and also from me as a media person and a spokesman for the military family that it is okay to go get help. It is okay to just ask and because if you don't you're... ask. Yeah, no, you're, you're, everything you're saying, it's one of the things you were saying about how, you know, this is, um, this is something that there are like norms and kind of stigmas around in the world that was the original kind of reason why we got involved in this as harry's some people might wonder you know why is harry's taking on this issue why is this something that's relevant to harry's and we're a men's care brand and so we make products shaving products and grooming products and, and body wash and bar soap and lots of things for men and and we're having all of these conversations with men um you know millions of guys who who, who love harry's and and we have this platform to address men and, and we're we we saw, and the more people we talked to, the more we realized that this is really like a, a problem of asking for help and some of like the norms and stigmas that men particularly face in, in getting the help they need. And as a result, the outcomes for men as it relates to mental health are, are, are bad. I mean, some people call it an epidemic or a crisis. And, and then specifically within certain communities like the military, we see that that's even amplified even more. So that, that what you're talking about, that permission to ask for help and to seek help is, um, is really important to us. 
Well, look what we do. Like I'm raising boys. Okay. Let's be fair. You know, like if my kid is out playing basketball and he jams his finger, I'm going to make him go back and play unless he tells me he can't play. We socialize men from a very young age to not complain. And then you put these men in, how about let's put men and women into a military environment. Okay. Military environment is not exactly warm, fuzzy, and friendly and says, oh, do you have a boo-boo? Let me give you a Band-Aid. So we have these, these socialization engines in our society that shut that very process down. And the thing that I think is neat, like when I look at, at marriages of companies and brands and corporate philosophy and social responsibility, it was interesting to me that your product line cares for men. You shave their face. You help their skin. I don't know if you have a deodorant line. I can't remember if you do. Um, but you help them yeah. not stink. Like, you know, like <laughs> sometimes yeah. companies will make a, you know, they'll be like, oh, I'm a, I'm a whiteout pen and I care about battered women. And you're like, what does <laughs> have to do with like, unless you're stabbing women. But, but your brand alignment is also in alignment with your corporate philosophy. So you not only care for men to look and smell and have their skin be their very best, but what inside matters as well. And I think that's a really interesting brand alignment. How did it come about that Harry's became aligned with men's mental health and certainly with the military philosophy and the military family? Yeah, it's it's a really good question. It's like the big question for mm-hmm. us. And it's been um, an evolution and a journey, which has been great. Um, so to take you back to the very beginning of Harry's, I, I promise I won't take all day. We won't go oh, through it. Yeah. <laughs> but, we have 32 minutes, so take your time. <laughs> great. So on day one, get to the office. Um, no, but we, 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 uh, we, we thought about that. And Jeff and Andy, our founders, from the very beginning, wanted to build a brand that stood for something in the world and that gave back, um, not just in a kind of superficial way, but that really put our money where our mouth is and had an impact in the world. And uh, we learned pretty quickly that that razors, which was our initial product offering, was pretty different than a product like glasses or shoes or socks or coats that have real impact um, for people in terms of like a buy one, give one model. So we knew right away that like giving away razors probably wasn't the highest impact thing we could do. (laughs) But what you're saying resonated with us. We wanted the connection to be clear and we wanted to give in a way that felt like it was really part of our DNA and part of our mission and and our vision as a company. So as we've grown, we've been able to sharpen and refine our focus to to what it is today, which is is like you so eloquently said, it's it's caring for the inside and not just the outside. And and it's it's offering an alternative to a kind of stoicism and and coldness that sometimes men are met with. Um, And and the opportunity and vulnerability to say, like, as a brand, we, we believe that men are amazing and resilient and uh, and strong and sometimes have bad days and bad weeks and bad months and years and so let's try to let's try to address this very real issue of mental health that we know impacts men disproportionately and, and that's our population and our target customer demographic and let's do it in a way that feels high impact but also aligned with our brand. And we thought about that and thinking of what types of populations we would really want to reach. Um, we just looked at the research and men's mental health and what you could see is 
that um, in the veteran community in particular, I think it's safe to almost say that this is an epidemic, that yes. you know, 20, 20 folks, 20 to 22 veterans kill themselves every day. For every one soldier that we've lost in combat, 25 to 30 have taken their own lives here at home. And those numbers are just staggering. Um, so that's one group that we know that we can target and we um, found the right partners to do so. Uh, we're also uh, specifically looking at young men. We know that um, the leading or second leading cause of death for men under um, 50 is suicide. Um, and then also LGBTQ folks, those who identify in, as LGBTQ are four times more likely to suffer from depression. So these are just you know, the groups that we're looking at particularly and we're thinking about our giving and where we think we can make the biggest impact. Um, mostly because we just know that, that they're the biggest need at need well, right now. Well, and as battlefield injury rates, survival rates have increased, you know, the, 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 the weird thing that's happened is, you know, we have all this new technology for this war to keep people alive, you know, people who would have inarguably died in other wars, you know, so we are bringing back veteran survivors of injuries that, even in the Vietnam War or World War II or uh, World War I wouldn't have survived. Mm -hmm. So we have now created this unique, in our zeal to keep people alive, which don't get me wrong, I'm not criticizing, but we've created recently this new wave of young men and women who have to live with profound challenges because they survived combat. And one has to do with the other. You know, we've got, we've got, you know, this, this high suicide rate, you know, you're more likely to die by your own hand in the military than in combat. Yeah. And these are some pretty scary statistics for anyone who has a child thinking of going in the military who's serving. Um, but compounding that you have people coming home with these injuries that they wouldn't have survived. And so what's left for them? Who's attending to their mental health when you have missing arms and legs? You've got women with arms and legs missing. You have men with arms and legs. Now, these are our visible injuries. They're not even beginning to scratch the surface of our, our invisible wounds, you know, that we talk about. So when you think of these groups of people that you're helping is this a company-wide philosophy? Is this something that's talked about in meetings? Like, hey, we're out there making a difference. This is why you come to work. Like, tell me about your corporate, you know, I love to peek under the skirt. <laughs> you know, because it's one thing, you know, I remember years ago when I forget which company built all these water wells in Africa and they did all this promotion, all this product promotion. Well, I was one of the people that 10 years later thought, hey, let's go let's go make some calls in Africa. Let's see what's going on to those water wells. Well, they're all rusted. They're not in use. It was a big media push. So part of me that goes, okay, I'm an investigative journalist. That's what I do. So I'm going to peek under the skirt and go, okay, now put your money where your mouth is. You're yeah. giving this money. You're doing this. I love that you have your five days philanthropic, you know, vacation, if you will. What, how does this affect your corporate culture? Like, how does it show up in your meetings? How does it show up in your day-to-day, -day, your giving and your commitment to men's mental health? Yeah, I think there are two different types of things that we can talk about. And one is 
culture and how it impacts our culture and our team. And the second is like our perks and policies and the actual things that we do to live this here every day. Um, from a culture perspective, I'll say that like one of my favorite days in the last year was getting our team's responses to our Veterans Day campaign this year and hearing from our team. We shared it with our full team at our all hands meeting. Then our CEO, Andy, sent a follow up email to the entire global company, sending a link to the video and sharing some thoughts and perspectives on mental health. And, um, and the responses to that that came in were really moving from our team and people who are saying like, this is why I'm here. Anecdotally, Maggie talks to tons of people when, when they join Harry's and a lot of people say that our, our giving programs and our impact programs are the reason they're here and, and hearing people talk about their, their mom or their brother or their boyfriend or their cousin who's serving or has served, they're energized by, by this work and our program. Um, and then I'll, I'll let Maggie jump in, but from, from like a policy perspective, we try to really live this ourselves. So we have meditation once a week in our office. We offer healthcare plans to our employees that include access to um, free, cost-free therapy. Um, we try to offer a parental leave policy that allows for flexible re-onboarding because we know that that can be a challenging time for people. Uh, we have a flexible volunteering program. We have lots of ways and opportunities for our team to really um, take care of themselves because we know that it's a practice and it's something that we have to live here first. Yeah, and I think we'll continue, like the cool thing about um, Harry's is like, I think we'll continue to think about it and push it. And, and this is an instance where our social impact work and like the work that we're giving to the outside is actually helping us think internally too, which has been this really cool process. And we want to make sure that we're doing all we can internally and that we're doing all we can externally. Um, yeah. And on your question around, you know, or just some, a thought around, um, corporations and how they approach this work. And um, I worked in 15 years in nonprofit. Part of my job was a, my last job as a nonprofit was um, partnering with corporations um, to, to improve impact and as a nonprofit fundraiser. Um, and I got to see like a little bit under the hood of different companies. And I can say um, with confidence that 1% is, is a lot of money to be giving away 1% of sales. Mm -hmm. uh, is a lot of money and it's exciting to us to be giving in that way. But, um, but we've actually been able to find um, the balance here of integrating it into our culture, um, making sure that our whole team knows what our social impact yeah. is and that we're sort of living, breathing it. Um, it's just not a separate department that no one sees. Um, Rachel and I are everywhere <laughs> <laughs> preaching about this work and bragging about our nonprofit partners. Uh, and um, talking about the cool campaigns that we get to do out in the world with them. And um, so I think it, it's definitely, we're in a very unique place that does live and breathe this work in addition to actually giving in the bottom line, like actually giving, um, which I think it is rare, that combination of all those things. It is. It is. I mean, cause anybody, I mean, let's be honest, you know, we're in business, we're all in business. Anybody can write a check. Mm -hmm. You know, anybody can write a check, take a couple pictures, look at me giving this check to this group, <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, and that's, that's kind of like the catch <laughs> for the record. <laughs> well, but it's the catch 22 behind what I find um, the issues with social philanthropy and social responsibility, because my corporation um, that employs moms to work from home in the tech fields, we do a lot for women, families, mothers, and children. And some of the criticisms I get is they're like, wow, Stan, you're 
everywhere getting your picture taken. Wow, you're out. You know, it's a catch-22 because you want people, you want to give exposure to the people you're helping. You want to you want to change things. You can't change things without talking about it. You can't change perceptions without taking pictures and sharing. So, you know, we have all these things because it's very easy to just slot this off as, well, this is just their advertising. Well, this is just their, which is why we're having this conversation today because I want people to see the heart that goes on behind the scenes with these, with these companies, because it's very easy to just, make that thing, well, it's just for promotion. It's just to sell more razors. Or I, I posed the same question to the Organifi owner, Drew Canoli, for um, the Organifi products because they do a lot for the community. And I'm like, well, how do you know it's not just advertising green juice or razors? And this is why we have to have these conversations and why I have to ask these questions. I think it's a good question. I, I actually, we think a lot about that and really pushing our whole team to tell the story when it is um, serving the issue and not self-serving. Yeah. I think consumers can spot BS. I really do. And I think that people are, are skeptical as they should be of companies who are just using this to turn a quick profit. And our philosophy is always do the work first, um, give the money, give the time, create high impact programs in partnership with nonprofits, run amazing campaigns, and then talk about it so that everyone gets the benefit and the effects of that. Um, we're not hiding the fact that we work for a company and our, our goal as a company is to make money, but we think that, that it's really important to create authentic stories around your giving and not to just boast about it or be overly showy because honestly, people see through it. It's, it's a bad strategy. Right. <laughs> right. And you're, you're seeing it more and more that folks are, companies are being called out for it. And yeah, what Rachel said, like we, we want to donate first. We want to give our money first, um, first and foremost. Um, and we also see it as really honestly trusting our partners. This is something that like we just got into this space most recently and giving to mental health and men, men's mental health in particular, and then giving to veterans organizations. And we'll continue to sort of learn along the way. And we're just getting to know this. We as a company aren't going to pretend like we're the experts, um, but we can find the right partners who really are the experts who have been doing this work for years um, and we can invest in them. And that's how we sort of see it as um, these social investments. And we're, we're, really saying we trust you nonprofit organization you've done all of the work um, and we're going to figure out the right way to tell the story and uh, make sure it makes sense for us but but we really do trust the work that you're doing and you're experts yeah well and that's what I like about like the one thing I'll say is is the transparency um, you know I've been on the radio for 12 years and five shows a week you can do the math so when <laughs> People come on and I give my little opening spiel like, oh, hey, it's okay for you to promote your product. You know, when I asked you guys that, that's kind of like one of my little tricks and people listening can, you know, learn from this. Because if you say, yeah, I have a coupon code and I want this and I have this promotion, I have this, <laughs> da, 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 da. I know, okay, I know what I'm in for. I'm in for a battle. It's not talk radio. You're here to, to, to sell your product. And, you know, I want to to be really fair and clear to the audience that, 
both can exist simultaneously. You can actually give your profits or your pre-profit money, whatever, pre-tax dollars, whatever you want to give, and you can use that to promote your company. And that doesn't take away from the philanthropic work. You know, some people think, oh, it needs to have this purity. You know, I hear that all the time. And I'm like, okay, when my company writes a check to an organization to support like the pajama program, I love pajama program gives pajamas to homeless and foster care kids to keep them warm. I was raised in Buffalo, New York. I froze for the first 17 years of my life. I hate to be cold. That charity is in alignment with me. So do I promote it as me being a promotion partner? Absolutely, I do. And you know what? The more people that come on and advertise my show and I advertise the pajama program, the bigger check I get to write to the pajama program or to Toys for Tots or any, any number of the organizations, Children Uniting Nations, another one that I support so or my company supports. So I really want to have that discussion. We had permission to go get help when you need it you know, for our invisible wounds. We also give some gratis to companies that say, you know what, you can coexist peacefully advertising and doing philanthropic work and tying them together because they do create that circular wheel of if you sell more razors, more money goes to your social outreach, we hope. You know, nobody can control everything, but in a perfect world, why wouldn't you? And that's our commitment. We give 1% of sales. So that's in direct proportion to our success as a business, which for us, when we see our forward-looking projections for the next year, we get so excited, not just because of the people who are going to reach our products, but because that means more and more is going towards our partners. Right. And let's talk about your partners. Let's, um, we've got about 15 minutes left. So let's talk about your partners. Um, Stop soldier suicide. There's not really a big surprise on what they do, but <laughs> let's talk a little bit about um, what are some of the things that attracted you to them and some of the things that you've experienced with them that make them a viable partner. Yeah. So when we were thinking about um, moving into donating to mental health care organizations and we asked a, a lot around this, around the veteran community. What are the best in class organizations that are out there? Who's truly doing the work? Um, whose models are just smart? Um, and we asked a lot, um, just knowing those stats around the need in the veteran community. Um, and two popped up sort of continually in those conversations. First is Stop Soldier Suicide. And the concept around the organization is that they're a call center. So you call them um, and they're going to set you up with a social worker who's going to work with you for an entire year to make sure that you get the services you need. Um, and think of that social worker as your caseworker, someone you can always go back to, um, who's going to, to make sure that whatever, and it could be anything that you might need. You might need, um, you might need access, access um, to something beyond mental health care services, but they have, um, they have staff that are trained to, to sort of forward you to the right, in the right direction. Um, they might well, even let me just stop you just for a second here because I just want to interject something. If yeah. anyone's listening today um, and they are thinking of making that choice, I need you to know that there are other ways that you can alleviate your pain and suffering that don't require you to take your own life. I know at the point from from friends who have experienced this in my own personal family that there are choices you can make beyond taking your own life that will alleviate your pain that will give you an out you don't have to take that final out so go ahead 
Yeah, and just in case anyone is interested, you can go to stopsoldiersuicide.org um, or you can call their number, which is 844-889-5610. Um, I'll repeat that again, 844-889-5610. So that's Stop Soldier Suicide and, and they'll um, answer your call um, between Monday and Friday, nine to five, or leave a message and they'll get back to you right away. Um, and then there's Headstrong. They might that if you call Stop Soldier Suicide and you're within 22 markets around the country, you might get referred to to Headstrong, which is getheadstrong.org. Um, that's their website. Um, and what the what Headstrong does is set you up um, with uh, someone who's going to be able to provide you therapy in your market, in your city, um, and think of that as intensive one-on-one -on -one therapy, a little bit more traditional talk therapy. They're going to figure out what what you really need um, and set you up with the right person. Um, they have an amazing, amazing model. It's um, you sign up online. You don't need to. Nothing goes back into any sort of system that can be seen by any employer. Um, they're private, um, and and they're seeing amazing results with the folks that go through their program. Well, and they're cost free, and they're confidential. So these are really big. You know, I have a lot of um, service member friends, active duty that that will not seek any assistance because of the confidentiality. They don't want to affect their career. Yep. They don't want their families to know. There might be shame or stigma attached. So it's really important that everybody knows here that it's cost-free and it's confidential. And so these are really important things that, you know, you have choices. Mm -hmm. And choices, there's lots of choices. So don't just think there's one solution. That's, that's why I love the name Headstrong because it's our mental choices, the decisions that we make privately in our own head behind our forehead that dictate our actions and our beliefs can change and feelings are temporary. It's really important that anybody listening today understands that feelings are temporary and thoughts change. So it seems like a good idea right now and feels right can change in the next 20 minutes. In fact, I had a psychologist on ladies that said women in particular change their feelings and their beliefs about a certain subject every four hours. Now, I don't know that to be <laughs> what about true, but it made me laugh. <laughs> and the psychologist said something about like, you could take a pair of shoes and it's at, you buy them at 10 a.m. Then at 2 p.m. you could be unsure about the shoes. At 4 p.m. you can like the shoes. At 8 p.m. you can love the shoes. And the following morning you don't like the shoes anymore, which is why women have lots of shoes. Oh. This explains so much for me. Not just about <laughs> shoes, about any number of things. Yeah, about life. But, but yeah. you know, when we talk about suicide and we talk about headstrong stop soldier suicide, you know, we can also take this time to share some good mental health tips. And the ones that I've always lived by is our feelings are temporary. So we don't want to make our decisions based on our feelings. Our thoughts and our beliefs are temporary. We can change our beliefs. We can change our thoughts. So if your thoughts, your beliefs, and your feelings are all coming together to tell you to do something like to harm yourself or harm others, then it's helpful to remember, if you can, that this is just temporary. I mean, all of us have had those moments. Yeah, and I think, you know, that's one of the reasons why Headstrong came up with their organization name is that, and particularly a veteran community and with the military, 
um, that population is very comfortable with the thought of making your body stronger, changing yep. your body. Um, and if we were sort of apply that line of thinking to your head as well, that you can practice and you can exercise um, and sort of get yourself, you get your brain into a healthier state as well. Yep. Um, you know, we, we, it would be for the better. So they, they have really attached on to that, attached to that concept of you can make your body stronger and you know that, and you've learned that through the military. Guess what? We're going to help you make your brain and head stronger. Um, and so that's that's just one thing that we've learned from them, which has been really helpful. I think speaks to the temporary piece that you're referencing. Well, yeah, because you know I do a lot of I do a lot of volunteer and paid training in the mental toughness arena, because we know that resiliency and persistence, some of those things that make men amazing, that make women amazing, have to do with mental toughness. And mental toughness can be learned. Mental toughness is a skill like anything else. You don't just pop out and be mentally tough. You know, yes, some people have, you know, precursors to different mental uh, toughness and resiliency and persistence uh, attributes than others. We're all made differently, but it is also a skill you can acquire. And, you know, I love that Headstrong heals the hidden wounds of war because we know that these invisible injuries, these hidden wounds are internal and they do affect the way we think. So if you're thinking in ways that your family members or your friends are giving you kind of funny looks or they're blinking, or maybe they're handing you a, a, a phone number to call the world gives us clues. You know, we are directed by our five people that we spend the most time with. If I ask either of you ladies, who do you spend the most time with? Five people, give me five names. And I interview those people for an hour each. I can come back and tell you a lot about yourself. And the reason that I bring this up is because Birds of a feather, right? Birds of a feather flock together. So we have military personnel that flock together. We have men that get together in locker rooms. They flock together. And a group can heavily influence your thinking. And when we see these statistics, you know, 22 to 24 um, people killing themselves every day, there is a permission out there. There is an influence out there that says this is a viable option. This is a choice. And sure, it is a choice. But it may not be the right choice. It probably isn't the right choice. And so we want to be careful about the people we spend time with, the people we hang around with. And if your peer group, if your buddies, if your lady veteran friends, you know, your rams out there, if you're all talking about this and this is a solution, which I know happens, it is discussed, just like we discuss it, it is discussed, then Give an opportunity for a call to Headstrong or to Stop Soldier Suicide and have a different perspective because very few people are going to go home to their mom or their spouse or their child and say, hey, I think I'm taking, I'm taking my life. I'm thinking of ending my pain that way. It just doesn't happen. Yeah. You know, in a rare 1% interest it does or in, um, instance it does. So you have a choice to think differently. You have a choice to have other options than what maybe you're accustomed to. Because one of the, the flip sides, girls, that I hear is that we hear about the frequency of suicide, soldier suicide. Does that make it okay? No, it doesn't. It never makes it okay. And so when we have talk radio conversations, we're very like-minded, the three of us. We're philanthropic. 
We care about men's health, mental health. We care about the military family. We've invested not only our time, our energy, but our resources, including our dollars, into making change. So it's not surprising that we're all in alignment. Well, you can also be in alignment with making choices as a military member that may or may not serve your greater good. So Headstrong is getheadstrong.org and Stop Soldier Suicide. That's a pretty easy one to remember. So I can't emphasize enough that if you are concerned about your service member, your veteran service member, your current active duty service member, call and ask and start talking to people that provide solutions and options and say there's healing to be had. There is a different way. There is a different choice. We recognize that our soldiers want to stop the pain, internal and external. So maybe start listening to some people who are offering solutions, who can give a better choice. And don't be afraid to have these conversations. Some of the topics that we talked about today, uh, Maggie, Rachel, and I, they're uncomfortable. Fair enough, right? They're uncomfortable. They make people feel uncomfortable. But to have these conversations with your spouse, with your child, with your service member can make all the difference. So we've got about five minutes left, ladies. I want you to talk a little bit about what are the hopes and dreams of Harry's for not only our military family and the community, but the men's mental health community at large. Yeah, so um, we think about that a lot and what we want to do, particularly what we think we can do in the next couple years to um, really make a, make a change and turn the needle on this issue. In the next two years, we're going to reach 500,000 men and make sure that they have access to the mental health care that they need. Uh, so we're going to partner with the, the best organizations in this space. Um, and make sure that we can we can do so. Um, and we're thinking a little ho holistically about that approach. We want to make sure that we're giving direct therapy to those who need it. Uh, we also want to make sure that we think of mental wellness a little bit more broadly. Mm -hmm. um, and so our hopes and dreams are really to to uh, to make an impact in this space um, to raise awareness. We know that getting help is hard. Um, asking for help is is even harder at times. So uh, we want to make that as simple as possible. Rachel, what else? Okay. <laughs> I, think that, I think that that's right. I mean, that's really, that's well said. That's our yeah. goal. And, and I think sometimes it's easy to get lost in the numbers around it. Yeah. I myself sometimes, I'm like, yeah, half a million guys, sure. Mm -hmm. But then when you think about the individuals here, like these are people's family and friends and that's what what feels really inspiring and moving to me is that this issue is an issue for society it is an issue for our communities but it's also an issue for families and individuals and the impact we're able to have at this kind of scale is um is really exciting for yeah. me we just met with um, our veterans organizations last night mm -hmm. uh, to do a recap on our Veterans Day campaign. Um, and we were talking about the numbers, which are great. Stop Soldier Suicide saw an 81% increase in number of folks reaching out after our campaign and our video went out. Um, Headstrong saw a 160% increase, which is really exciting. 100 men and women reached out during the campaign, 160 additional reached out in the six weeks after the campaign. And those numbers are great and amazing, but as Rachel said, um, 
we, we sort of had a, a moment when uh, Joe Quinn, who's the executive director of Headstrong, said, if you just think about that for a second, that is one individual who reached out. Uh, not just one, that's hundreds of folks that, that reached out. And that was really touching to us. And um, it's important when we think about these numbers and the big impact, we're also thinking about um, how it could affect someone's life um, on an individual scale. Um, well, you talk about numbers, you know, you think of like 260, I think that was the total, or 250, whatever, from this just this one campaign. That's a high school graduating class. Yeah. Okay. When you look at 500,000 people to be the goal being helped, next time you see a football game and you look at 100,000 cheering fans, multiply that by five. Because I think, you know, these things with numbers, we need to put a vision to what that number really means. And I will tell you, those 250,000 or 250 people that reached out, who knows what buddies they talked to? Who knows what difference it made in allowing them to live a happy, healthy life going forward. You're affecting their wives, their children, their families, their, you know, the numbers are exponential. But the fact of the matter is, is I'm going to leave our listeners with this. If you or any of your family members are thinking that nobody cares, that nobody cares about your service, nobody cares about your wound, nobody cares about what you're going through. I'm here to tell you that Maggie cares. That's why she came on the show today. And Rachel cares. That's why she came on the show today. I care, which is why I did the show today. And Harry's cares, which is why they put their money, their effort, their heart into helping our men and their mental health. So the two places you want to go, even if you just want to go check it out, you can always help a buddy at the gym, help a buddy at, you know, softball, wherever you are, Headstrong, get Headstrong, was it getheadstrong.org, and then Stop Soldier Suicide. Ladies, thank you very much. It's been an amazing show. I've enjoyed you both. Thank you so much for having us. All right, you guys, so check out Harry's, check out Headstrong, and check out Stop Soldier Suicide. We'll be back again next week. Thanks for spending time with us today on Military Mom Talk Radio. We've got more than 200 episodes available to you anytime on iTunes or at our website, MilitaryMomTalkRadio.com. Find us on Facebook or Twitter. We look forward to another great conversation with you on Military Mom Talk Radio.